So, what comes after this? Two sonatas, which are actually called Sonata Quasi Una Fantasia. And what does that mean? It's the combination of these two, two names, two concepts, sonata form as we associate it with, with uh, discipline and strict form and fantasy which we associate with imagination and freedom. And those two together. Uh, these are two works, again, written in the year of 1801. Uh, one is dedicated to the Countess von Liechtenstein and the second one the C-sharp minor sonata, to which we come later. That, that's the best-known Beethoven sonata. That's dedicated to Juliet, the Countess Giulietta Guicciardi. And the C-sharp minor is one of the best-known sonatas. The E-flat major is not a very well-known sonata. To my mind, it's, it's really unjustly neglected because I... I I love it as, at least as much as the other one. And uh, as far as the form and the, and the concept is concerned, it's to me even more interesting. Uh, Hans von Bülow spoke very critically of this sonata. He said it was not worthy of Beethoven because how could you write such four square uh, phrases? That's what he said. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's four, four bars, very simple, and tonic harmony, only these two, two harmonies. But it's so beautiful, it's so poetic, it is, it's like a lullaby. It's in, in andante, but it's in alla breve, so you, you count two in a bar. One and two and one. Now we go on. so many tonics and dominance that when, when a new harmony comes, it's a real event. Then this section is repeated, and now we go into a new phrase. Is the, the sonority, the, the the fullness of the of the piano sound, which is because Beethoven writes for the two fists. It's never so transparent like like Schubert's sonorities later, but it is a wonderful fullness.
fantastic move from E flat major to C major. It's really like a, like a different light, light and shade. It's, it's a relationship of a third and this will have a, a very important significance later on in the sonata. we had nothing but four bar phrases. Now we come back to the initial. And the further variation. Very simple. something again when I said C major in an E flat major piece and now comes a new section marked Allegro and it is like, like a ein Deutscher Tanz, a German dance, and very rustic, like a peasant dance. C major, C minor, and then back to E flat major. We are on the dominant seventh of E flat major, and he can come back to the initial andante. So it's, it's fantastic thinking and wonderful structure, quite, quite revolutionary. Um, then he gives us further variations of, of the initial andante, uh, places the, the melody in the bass. Uh, 
finished and now comes a coda just uses the first two notes as a Kopf motif now just one note Without a break, if you think of the first bar as an upbeat, and one, this is allegro. It's like an intermezzo, and it's it's a it's a very spooky piece. It's a Anachronistically, this reminds me of, of Schumann, of, of Schumann's Nachtstücke, or, or, or from, from Opus 12, Fantasiestücke, In der Nacht. It's night music. And it's not even, a, not even a scherzo movement, it's like an intermezzo. He, again, he uses very simple means and very simple methods, just using, using the triads. changing the registers. Uh, one hand is ascending and the other hand is descending. But it's the same harmony and together they, they give a, a very dark sonority, very dark color. Forte. It's molto agitato, very, very agitated music, full, very, very, very uh, without any calmness and tranquility. Um, in the middle section of this scherzo part, we have a, a riding piece. We hear the horses. Yambic, and then return of the main part. And now he varies it in syncopation. The left hand plays staccato on the beat, the right hand again when the two hands cannot play together. It's one of those things. The, the right hand plays legato, but against the beat. Again, if somebody is using the gas pedal here, he will spoil it all. Because you, you will not hear the difference between staccato and legato, which is essential 
to the abyss. There is no, it's a great tragedy. Without a break, this wonderful adagio con gran espressione. Again, See, we had E flat major, then we had C major, then E flat major again, then C minor, on the end now this. It's a wonderful circle. So. in three four we are counting three in a bar one and two and three and there's this wonderful sonority again from like like deep string instruments playing uh, we still also in this sonata opus 27 number one there is not not a single movement in sonata form this starts like, like a, an adagio on a large scale, but we will see that it's, it's not even a, a complete movement. It's more like, like an introduction to the finale. And then... Um, the bridge and we are again we feel great expectations what is what is going to come this there is it's not a coincidence that this is called sonata quasi una fantasia and we have these elements of the fantasy like like a free cadenza it could be right out of out of the Emperor Concerto, this one. 
of a piano concerto in the middle of a sonata. And now comes... This is a kind of a mixture between a sonata and a rondo, but we, we could still not call it a, a movement in sonata form. It's more, more like a rondo. Uh, but it's, it's, it's full of energy and, and vitality and, and liveliness. It's a wonderful movement. Again, he's using four-bar motives, but we can see now that this is deliberate on Beethoven's part. This sonata is, in form is so revolutionary that he has to counterbalance it with, with simpler phrase structures. Otherwise, it, it would be not, not conceivable. And we will see later in the other sonatas that when Beethoven wanted to write very complicated phrase structures or, or very asymmetrical phrases, he, he was perfectly capable to do so. So this, this four-squareness is, is deliberate, but we cannot see it as, a, as something negative. But it's important, uh, the semiquavers in the left hand, the first four bars are non-legato. Then it's legato. So this just exposition of the non-legato and, and the legato. So it's a, the different articulations. Now we get something like an orchestral tutti with different groups of instruments playing. Is, is not orchestral, this is very pianistic. But again, an invention of Beethoven, because we, we never had something like this with Haydn or with Mozart. dominant and we, we, we get something exuberant here, something Dionysian. Like in Greek theater, when, when everybody is dancing and singing. It's if, if we think of the Nietzsche's term of Apollonian 
versus the Dionysian. This, this is the Dionysian music to me. And then um, we get something like, like a Bachian uh, fugato in the, in the middle, middle. elements here and there then comes we are already on the dominant of, of E flat major and how he brings back the theme for the last time the recapitulation and then when we think it's all finished this this is what happened there's a fermata and he stops and then it comes back this wonderful adagio It feels like a homecoming. We have heard this before in another key, and now we hear it in, in the home key. And it's, it's a wonderful feeling of, of something that we know, and a feeling of safety. And then, just before he finish, another cadenza. this presto. Uh, before we had allegro ma non troppo and this is presto. Uh, if you look at this motif, this climbing fourth, if you think forward to the sonata opus 110 and uh, it has a fugue So we already have this 18 years before. Mm -hmm. 
with imitation because the left hand is imitating in syncopation. So that, that was Opus 27, <laughs> thank you.